0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
1: (laughs) Hey, how you doing? It's, uh, October 13th. Uh, it's a Wednesday. And, uh, I've got my TV on, although the sounds off. I'm, I'm, I just watched 90 year old William Shatner walk up, I think the equivalent of about a 10 story building. Did you know He's getting, he's getting ready to get into Bezos's rocket. Um, but not, it turns out there's not like an elevator that brings you up to the top of that rocket. You got to walk up. Stairs over and over. And I'm thinking, really, a 90 year old walking up those stairs, I would have been a little exhausted. And I also have to tell you that uh, the pictures of him in the car as they were heading to the site, uh, he looks like he's having second thoughts. That's all I want to (laughs) say. He looks looks like he's, I don't know. Anyway, so sometime during uh, the show, uh, Captain Kirk is uh, going where no 90-year-old has ever gone before. I think he's having second thoughts. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Do you know there's, have you ever heard, because I just heard, which is why I'm saying do you know, That there's something actually called, and it exists, called no-mo grass. Yeah, I don't know. I think it must be one of those things for rich people. Uh, Some kind of grass that's been created that only like grows what, an less than an inch uh, in a season. Literally, you don't have to mow it. Is that possible? Sure it's possible. Anything's possible. Somehow I think, oh, never mind. I'm sorry. My head is all over the place today. All over the place. Have a guest coming in uh, later in the show to give us some relief. Perhaps. And then maybe not. I don't know. Uh, because I don't have, as usual, anything that is, yes, yes, wait, California is banning gas-powered leaf blowers. Yes! Well, they should ban the, all of it, all of those loud, unbelievably polluting things. Uh, I mean, they... They first of all they deafen you, prevent you from enjoying the comforts of nature. They also release more air pollution than cars, I believe. Somewhere here, I think they had a um they had an actual number. But the pollution air pollution. Going on with those things, not to mention the noise pollution is unbelievable, and it should be unlawful. Uh, Yeah, they say that leaf blowers and other equipment like it emitted more pollutants than passenger cars all of last year. Well, that's just
0: insane.
1: Um, I don't get it. One of the things that I've got workers here, because I've mentioned there's work going on all over the place. I was worried you would hear it um, is the little bit of grass I had. um, I'm getting rid of and I'm, they're building some hardscape that I'm not going to have to uh you know deal with um, grass is absurd it it can be very lovely looking and welcoming, but the amount of insane labor that goes into maintaining it, not to mention poisons, not to mention pollution is is insane. I'm just telling you guys, I just wish everybody would stop, okay oh. actually there's a a house near where I live because when I'm walking the dog i I noted where uh the the inhabitants thereof have gone natural uh they have in their front yard uh it looks like a you know like a a wild native uh meadow. And we're not used to seeing that, but it's lovely. We're just not used to seeing it. And right next door to the wild meadow is a house with this pristine, pristine green lawn with nary a weed to be found. And what we can know, I mean, you know, when you see a lawn like that, that they're using poison. And I'm thinking – I'm imagining like the the little bubble over the heads of the people with the pristine green lawn when the neighbor went natural and, and, and like just being appalled. Appalled! Look at that!
0: <laughs> uh,
1: anyway, it is all what we are accustomed to, what we know, what feels normal. And if you've traveled much in the uh, western parts of the United States, where the drought is uh, is extraordinary, and uh, municipalities have said, can't do, you can't water grass. That is a absolute nonsense. It's a waste of, where you see, you don't see lawns anymore. You do not see lawns. You see native, it, it's not as green, it's true. But it is more natural what you see. Lawns are not natural. Especially, and where I see this is in, in the desert, in Palm Springs. Palm Springs, I assure you, grass is not native. It's shit. And so all those pristine golf courses out there are like there's a grotesque to what we do. I think to natural environments. Insane. So we can play our games. All right. You can see what kind of a mood I'm in. I would never do what Shatner's doing. For one thing, don't they like, uh, they have uh, monitors on you, like your heart rate and stuff the whole time? I'd just be embarrassed. <laughs> My heart rate, which is normally extraordinarily low, so that whenever someone takes my pulse, they always say, oh, wow, you're a marathon runner, huh? Oh, no, I couldn't even walk one. Um, but it's very, very low. So I, if I get up over a 100, it's amazing. And I bet if I were being shot up into space, it'd be, uh Wow. I can't even begin to imagine. So anyway, I guess those guys are about to enter that, that penis uh, there. It looks exactly like a, yeah, very phallic. (sighs) What should I talk about? I got a lot of stuff here, but I just sort of don't. There was one wonderful story. Uh, in the local paper. And I again, because I don't watch the local news for all I know, um, it is being um, reported ad nauseum. And so me talking about it is, is uh, unnecessary and uh, redundant and overkill. However, it was new to me. And that's this little... Three-legged dog, part Pomeranian and part, I don't know, Jack Russell. That's a smart little guy, tiny little thing. Don't know how it lost its leg, but it saved its owner's life. Uh, The owner had fallen into the uh, Allegheny River and hit his head, I guess, going down and was knocked unconscious and was down in the water and no one saw it. Dog. That guy was underwater for, a, I guess, a full 10 minutes. But long before that, this little three-legged creature jumped in to the river and started barking and barking as it swam around on, above where its owner lay dying in the river, barking and barking and barking. And of course, attracted attention and luckily for everyone involved, uh, the first person who, one of the first people was happened to be a nurse who was uh, on her boat in this marina. And uh, between her and others on the scene, the guy was gotten out. Uh, CPR was done. It took the paramedics quite some time to get there because it's apparently a sort of remote, out-of-the-way place to get to. And uh, I'm looking at a picture of that guy who, by all – if that dog hadn't done what it did, would be long dead. I'm looking at a picture of him and the dog and the nurse. And that's a nice story. That's a nice story. All right. I need cheering up. I got to go. Obits. Always cheers me up. I don't know about you guys. Ruthie Thompson. I know I never heard of her either. But Ruthie Thompson is dead. Although you shouldn't mourn. She got a longer run than 99.999999% of uh humans on this earth. She died at the age of 111. Jeez. God. Wow. And you know what she did long ago when she was of normal age? She worked for Walt Disney. And she worked on all of the classic, all the classic animated movies worked on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, on Pinocchio and Fantasia and Dumbo and all everything that that studio was putting out at the very beginnings. And um, Snow White was uh, the first animated feature that Disney Studios put out. That was 1937, and that's when she began her career there. So she had something to do with that. And then she worked all the way through to uh 1977. And it, you know, you wonder how do people get it? She wasn't an animator. You know why? Because women weren't allowed. Big shock. But how do people, you often wonder, how does somebody get, how do they end up doing what they do? Well, in, in her case, it was simply proximity. It was who a neighbor was. It was what was happening in a building that was near her school that she walked by every day. So she lived, when she was a little kid, she lived down the street from uh, Walt Disney uh, Disney's uncle, Robert. And then when the Disney brothers, Walt and, and Roy, founded their first film studio, this is 1923. It was right there on Ruthie's route to school. So she walked by every day. And she could see, this little girl, that these guys in there were doing something pretty astonishing. So she'd look in the window all the time. She looked transfixed in the window all the time. And one day, Walt opens the door and says, why don't you just come inside and watch? And she did. And she became a regular fixture there, just staring in disbelief. But then, that was that. She went on. She graduated from High school, and uh, she went on and got a, a job um, at a <clears throat> a horse <clears throat> farm of some sort, and extraordinarily, <laughs> she's working at this place with the horses in the San Fernando Valley. And one day, who walks in but Walt and Roy Disney. And damn if they didn't recognize her. Ruthie, they said. They had come to the stable to learn how to ride a horse and play polo. Jeez. Because apparently that was what all the the in folk were doing. So they wanted to be with the in folk. And so they're there trying to learn how to ride horses and play polo. And Walt eventually says to her, Why don't you come and, and work for me? And she said, Oh, Mr. Disney, I can't draw worth a nickel. He said, Doesn't matter. We'll send you off to uh, night school and you can learn thinking and painting which is you know we're talking about we're not talking about animation now we're not talking about digital animation we're talking about this was all done on paper with a camera with, with film and with paint hand painted and that's what women were allowed to do paint and in fact in the in the obit they quote this uh, a paragraph of what Walt Disney Studios um allowed women to do and this is what this is they gave this to women applying for jobs oh i'd love to be an animator a, a young girl might say and she'd go to Walt Disney Studios and say i want to Want to be an animator, and they'd say, "Well, um, here's what you can do, and here's what the here's what it says." And the women were given this booklet. Women do not do any of the creative work in connection with preparing the cartoons for the screen, as that work is performed entirely. By men. It's flat out says, says it. And you know, back in the day, that was accepted. That, that was, yeah, okay, yeah, that's right. Women can't do creative work, only men get to do it. And no one was ashamed of that. It wasn't like somebody was going to come and shut them down because they were discriminating. No, this is the way it was. And The Disney company went on to tell would-be female employees the only work open to women consists of tracing the characters that men, of course, had already created on clear celluloid sheets with India ink and filling in the tracings on the reverse side with paint according to directions. And Ruthie Thompson always said, it was like, you know, paint by numbers. Women were flat out not allowed to do any of the creative work. Nonetheless, since women weren't asking for anything at that point, she was thrilled. And so she spent her life at that studio. She said, doesn't take a lot of brains to do what I did. You just follow the lines. But see, that shows you what they thought of women. Doesn't take a lot of brains. And so all those Disney feature-length cartoons, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women and coloring in every cell It was only women. Oh, she lived 111 years. Wow. No survivors, never married, no survivors. You know, when you're 111, there's no survivors no matter what. You're, if you had children, they're probably dead. God, 111, that's a rough thing. Who would want to? I mean, I don't say whether uh, she was in good shape or not. Jesus. <clears throat> All right. I'm looking. Shatner's been stuffed into the uh, the top there. It looks like he's, I'm sorry, not that, not that this is of any import. Actually, you know what? I was just thinking as I was saying that women weren't asking for much. It's about seven minutes from liftoff. I've been trying to, I think I might've mentioned this. I've been trying to organize all my papers and stuff from my career because someone told me there's, some archive might want it as, you know, the if as an example of the first one of the first women to get in to uh a formerly, you know, not allowed women not allowed. Um I was the first woman to anchor a newscast in Madison, Wisconsin. I was one of the first to do um talk radio. Uh, In this, in Pittsburgh. But but as you know, uh, talk radio is still overwhelmingly a a male bastion. And so I just was of an age where breaking down those barriers uh, came uh, to me, not because I was uh, by nature an aggressive feminist, but because I was of a certain age and I wanted to work. And so I applied, and it's right after things start opening up. So I actually, by 1975, I'm an anchor woman, the only one in Madison, Wisconsin, and I was doing just fine. And as I was going through my papers, I see that I kept, from 1976, A memo from I can't even remember who these people would have been and it talks about the transition to the new format and what happened then there was a new format because a new general manager came in an idiot named Dwayne Shermer and he was appalled that I was on the air. He was appalled and in no uncertain terms said it, no one takes a woman uh you know it, the woman has no authority, no credibility. And um this memo I saw. Talks about it actually says something like, "Here's how we're going to do it." The uh, blah, 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 the anchor man will open as now the top story, then cut to the co-anchor gal for one story, and she pitches back to the anchor Ted. Well, that's not how it had been. He was going to reduce me. This was the transition where they were going to slowly get me off the air. And there was a meeting actually called of the entire staff, and I'll never forget it. But in case I did, I actually have here the notes I took immediately after that meeting in 1976. Because at that meeting, Dwayne Shermer, the new general manager, outlined to us what his feelings were that women were not authoritative and were not credible and there's no way he's going to have a woman as the face of the news and here's how we're going to do it and he talked about this sort of subservient role and after it was over, I went and typed out things I wanted to remember that he said. Because I spoke up at one point um, when he was talking about the anchor man and the gal. I said, uh, "Could you, I don't know. And he said, what would you prefer, I call it? And I said, well, I, how about dominant? And subservient, that seems to be more accurate. And he, without blinking, said, all right. So the gal, he goes on to say, will read a second story. Hopefully it can be some woman's oriented story. And then I roll my eyes or something, and he says, if people are going to protest, we simply are not doing it at all. The gal will read the second story and then maybe the last story before the web. And somebody says, well, is the gal a co-anchor? And he said, no, this is not a co-anchor. The gal is more of an assistant. The man will do the headlines. The man will say goodnight. The man will throw to the spot, except maybe the weather that the gal could do. Oh, well, I have news clippings because I went after him and it became, they took me off the air and it became a big to-do and... Boy, they backpedaled fast, dwayne Shermer backpedals fast, and I am reinstated and There's a triumphant picture of me uh in a in a t shirt that somebody had sent me that says it takes balls to be an anchor man so somehow reading about that 111-year-old woman being told by a guy that the gals can't do creative work or can't do this kind of thing. It made me think how it took so long. I mean, so long. So that's 1976. And obviously, since I lived it, I'm not feeling like that is a million years ago. And yet... So much needs to change, but a lot has. And I would not be yapping at you now if um, I hadn't fought, fought that fight, and other women hadn't fought fights. I, I went at him through the union. That I belonged to and was, in fact, the steward of. And I had helped negotiate the last contract. So it was unclear to us whether this guy hated me because I was a woman or hated me because I was union. I suggest it was both, but mostly it was the woman thing. It was the woman thing. So hang on. Oh. Cool. Um, I'm going to change the subject. Now I am so sorry. My I'm sitting here watching because that poor 90 year old man is about to be shot into space even for a second, but I would not want to be him in a million years. I suppose some of you would, I bet he's thinking, let me off. I let me off. I've, I've decided. I, I I don't think I want to do this. I don't think I want to do it. I think he's uh, almost about to be shot into space. Um, all that said. Oh, they put it on a hold. <laughs> he gets to be nervous longer, poor guy. Anyway, let's change the subject. I. By talking about me um, and my career, which has been a long one, uh, you see how, you know, how sort of old I am. And these current times often flummox me. I mean, I'm not alone, I'm sure, in looking at those magazines when you're checking out of the grocery store, the ones that, you know, traffic and celebrities, and a ton of the celebrities I see smiling back at me are people I've never seen, people whose names I never heard, I don't know them, and I've mentioned before, it's starting to impact my uh, my crossword puzzle solving because if you're not up on, you know, current stuff, popular culture, you're you're out of it. And I it probably happens to most of us cuz it's hard to keep up. At some point, frankly, you lose interest. You age out of popular culture. So all of this is to say that I was reading a piece in the uh, Tribune Review, maybe a week ago or so. And it introduced me to something, well, that wasn't totally alien to me, but I still had no idea. And it was wonderfully written, and I can tell that I have the same kind of mindset. I would react in exactly the way that uh, the author reacts to this, which is, what the hell? well, I'm not going to put words in her mouth. Lori False is the Tribune Review Community Engagement Editor, and she
0: wrote the piece. And uh, Lori, are you there? And can you hear me okay? I am. I can hear you just fine.
1: Oh, good, good, good. You, I, I don't even know where to start with this. I had... I don't even know what you're talking about. You <laughs> mentioned the, I want to, let me find it here. You said, Lulu row, party, light, paparazzi, tastefully simple, pampered chef. I don't know what any of those things are. And yet they have bedeviled you and millions of other women, apparently. So, and what are and
0: those? A, yeah, there're just a few of them too. There are so many multi level marketing um <laughs> organizations out there that prey on particularly on women who' yep. want to try and work from home so that they yep. can take care of their kids and take care of their family, but still be bringing in money and all it ends uh-huh. up doing is circulating in this perpetual you know motion machine. Where you're trying to get your friends to join your organization, and they're trying to get you to come to their party for their organization, and it's just like a this horrible merry-go-round of guilt. So, okay. So, in other words,
1: let, let's just take one of these things, okay? Uh, you say Lula Roe, the clothing Lula Ro is company. The one yeah. It and you say it's the subject of Amazon's Lulu Rich series, which of course I haven't heard about. <laughs> you you are saying so what happens? You're on Facebook. This is where this stuff plays out, right? You're on Facebook and what yeah. Okay. And so what happens? A friend
0: sends you an invitation. Yes. Yeah. The the big way like these these started with um, like the door-to-door sales back in the day, you know, like Avon. Avon was was a direct selling company, but not a multi-level marketing company for a very long time. It is a multi-level marketing company now. But um, it used to be that you would go around and you would try to sell a product. But now multi-level marketing companies have taken advantage of social media and it has become a situation where people – Prey on their friends, or they're, and it's not that the people are doing it; it's that they are encouraged by the organization to do it. To That's the way it the works, idea. right? That's the way it works. I
1: mean, they—you the all have friends, and your friends are your yeah. potential uh, consumers,
0: right? Right, right. And the idea is that you sell a product to them. That's right. how they get around the idea that they're not a pyramid scheme because they're selling a product. Except the product is just. A facade, what you're really selling is your friends because it's the idea that if you can just get one friend to have a party and then maybe you could get a friend to join the organization and then they can try to get people to join the organization and and you know it becomes like this horrible exponential thing well, what is the okay, so staying with this, so
1: if you sign on with a Lula bro. Does that mean you're trying to sell their
0: clothes? LuLaRoe is almost, like you said, it's it's, it's singled out in this this, um, video on Amazon in particular because it's kind of the most extreme version of it. Because while something else is just trying to get you to have parties and get them to sell stuff, so that you can get more people under you and get them to do it. LuLaRoe made all of its dealers buy a minimum number, a minimum amount of product every month and then get their people, bring people in and tell them they had to sell a minimum number of product a month and then have them bring more in, you know, so that if everybody's buying $2,000 of leggings a month and just storing them in a closet, you know, actually, there were people who, like, kicked their kids out of their rooms, you know, and had, like, their three kids living in one room and got their husband's car out of the garage. And all of that space was devoted to these leggings that they couldn't really sell because nobody was interested in. them. Oh, they weren't really popular. Leggings actually did have a following for a while, but not for very long because they they fell apart. They were not high quality, you know. Well, so um,
1: it, well, but, yeah, but so okay, so they out, up front they they give this corporation two thousand dollars to get all this stuff, which then they are supposed to, God, oh, this is so sad, sell, but right. using using friendship, which is understandable, they're not thinking of it that way, but every time you get an invite to a, so is a party an actual party or a virtual party?
0: Sometimes, but they're frequently actual parties. And wow. you know, some of the parties are actually even kind of fun. Like I, I, you know, I am currently in this like guilt spiral with my, uh, my sister had a party for, for uh, Pampered chefs, And I agreed to have a party for her because if I did, then she got like a higher percentage discount on the stuff she was buying. So, I fell into the trap, and I have agreed to have this party. I have not yet scheduled the party, and I'm hoping, you know, that I die before I have to have it. Um, <laughs> so, well, yeah, but you're so,
1: obligated now. Wait, I, mean, I am, I am a- obligated. Yeah, so, oh, and there's family involved. So yeah. you got to, yeah. But in order to have the party, then you have to potentially have put to other people to uh, yeah. to be obligated then perhaps yeah. to you. I
0: mean, yeah. Oh, this now, is awesome. when you have now a a pampered party can be fun because there's like a recipe component, you know, and there's there's like a guarantee of food. Um <laughs> and I, I'll show up almost anywhere for a guarantee of food. Yeah, but right. but with um <laughs> you know, with some of the others, all you're doing is like looking at jewelry you know, that is laid out on somebody's table. Yeah. And, over yeah. the, you know, social media has made it really easy to have an, a virtual party. And especially over the last year, all of these things survived because of virtual parties. Um, and it's just, the thing about the virtual parties is they're so much worse because it's all of the guilt and none of the food. <laughs> 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 Well, and as you say,
1: you're good, you're funny, and then you're a good writer on top of it. So you say here in the piece, friends who would never reply to a Nigerian prince email or give target gift card numbers to an alleged IRS agent on the phone have no problem with the structure of a company that is so obviously a pyramid scheme. As you say, yeah. the corporate headquarters should look like an Egyptian tomb. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but and you say that actually the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, reports that ninety-nine yeah. percent of people who participate in this kind of—it's called multi-level marketing business—lose. They lose. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes big. Sometimes end up in bankruptcy, sometimes ending up destroying their credit. They're only a, no one's going to, how is this legal then if the FTC says that 99% lose?
0: It's because of that loophole with they're selling a product. They are in fact selling a product and that is what takes it from being, what keeps it from being like a Ponzi scheme the ponzi scheme is just purely about a facade yeah. of something happening with absolutely no promise of any kind of, of payoff and no real thing behind anything that you're doing right a multi level marketing is that you know if if you like candles and want to join party light because you know you like candles and your friends like candles you know and you don't really have any big expectation of making money then It might just be a fun party for you to have and you move on with your life. They are, in fact, going to give you candles. And the party light candles are nice. I have a couple of them because I have been in this rodeo for quite a while. Um, But that's what keeps it ostensibly legal because there is, in fact, a product. And the idea that you are that the product that's really making the company money has nothing to do with leggings or candles or baking sheets or, you know.
1: Rather than having your party that you're obligated to have, why don't you send your column out to all your friends and <laughs> tell them to send it to their friends so that at least you guys are not going to be suckers?
0: What's really funny is that one of my friends who is well aware of what's going on because she got suckered into it too. It was not her idea. She was fulfilling a, a guilt obligation at the same time. Oh, that's all this the, is. Same, the same day that I sent that I put my column up. She sent me an <laughs> invitation and like, and, and she was attached. She went into my, my, um, uh, into the the website and took it and she has it in the party so that she's like, I am not (laughs) unaware of what this is. I know exactly what's going on. Do not anyone feel obligated. I am only doing this because I have to. So, Oh, this is, I can see this is so fraught, so fraught. You know, you can
1: have an earnest friend trying to actually make some money unwilling to believe that, She's not going to be the one who's going to pull it off. I mean, women have been conditioned to this stuff. You know, Avon, um, Avon calling and uh, I had a, yeah, Tupperware. I don't know how I escaped all this stuff. I never, I did have a producer once who got into selling some kind of makeup. It wasn't Avon, but I ended up buying one thing, but never, never again. I mean, it is just, wow. Now, is it, like, so, is Avon, like, what's like, the okay, one where women Avon, drive around in pink cars? What is what is that yes. one? The pink-
0: That's Mary Kay. Oh, That's so Mary is K. that and like Mary this? Is, is, yeah, Mary Kay is a multi-level marketing as well. But, like, some of them, they have degrees. Some of the multi-level marketing things are are not nearly as heinous as others. Like I said, LuLaRoe gets a lot of attention because it is among the most egregious that is out there Uh um but you know some of them the products have a following because they're good products. my mother would would you know like drive into the gates of hell for a pampered chest stoneware baking sheet she really would she loves um she she doesn't care that it's multi-level marketing and she doesn't care that she's really being overcharged for the stoneware baking sheet because she likes the quality of it yeah um yeah, and 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 like I said, if you went through my kitchen, you would find any number of Pampered Chef products because I like them. But then there's there's other things where that you know it's just such a racket, <laughs> um, and it's a racket that deliberately preys on people who are trying to to make a better life for themselves, which is what is so awful about it. You know, exactly. Who are trying? You've got like women who are trying to contribute to their families. You know, like like they're not all impoverished. You know, some of them are just like this woman who is, you know, her kids have gone off to school and she's home and she doesn't have a work history because she's been at home for so long. So she can't get a regular job because she doesn't have, you know, that kind of a background that's going to get it for her. So she she falls prey to this. She thinks. I, you know, have been cooking for years. I can talk about cooking to my friends who also cook. I can sell this product. And so she does it. And it's not, it ends up not being what she thinks it's going to be. And what, but what's really upsetting is the women who are really smart. I have a friend who actually, she worked for, uh, she worked for the state for a very long time. She worked for Penn State for, you know, uh, for a while. And now she's selling essential oils for one of these companies. And her entire life has become about it. She is one of the people oh. who is being successful at it. But it's so upsetting because on some level, I know that she is aware that she is being successful at the ex- at the expense of other people.
1: Wow. Well, that can't feel good. That yeah. can't feel good. She knows she's part of this sort of nefarious
0: she is apparatus. Smart. She's yeah. so smart. She can't be unaware of what is going on. Wow. So this is weird because they do.
1: And you say, so a lot of these, you know, you, you're saying you love good parties. And you say, but these aren't parties. They're they're more like hostage situations. They are. And are. <laughs> Oh jeez! Well, it, yes. In fact, where you 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 end up spending money you maybe don't want to spend, you end up uh, agreeing right, to do something ransom. you don't want to do, right? Yes, you end
0: up. Yes, it's a hijacking.
1: Yeah. Wow. So you think you offended any of your friends by
0: writing this? No, no, because the the one the the ones like my friend who is selling the essential oil yeah she won't acknowledge that what she's doing falls into this category, so she's not offended by it. and the ones who are aware of what it is agree you know wow. if you have if you have twenty people who are at one of these parties, you're kind of guaranteed that like fifteen of them are aware of what they're doing. And have just like taken a deep breath and gone into it because somebody came to one of theirs. Oh, this all sounds so. Isn't that weird? So you're
1: all pretending that. So you're 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 actually part of this this uh, sort of choreographed. Uh, uh, it, it's it's phony. I mean, you're you're pretending we're, to yes. have a party. Yes, and we're all complicit
0: in it too. Yes.
1: Jeez. Man, well, I I am so first of all thrilled that I have not. I'm either too old or just the kind of person <laughs> nobody nobody
0: ever invites to anything. <laughs> that I don't have to do this. Hey, because if I oh, end up my. having this pampered chef party, I am more than willing to invite Miss Spelling to come. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't. <laughs> Miss
1: spelling is uh, you know, she's a crotchety character. I don't know if she'd wanna come. But unbelievable. So there's still this just keeps coming and coming and coming. What's paparazzi? Paparazzi
0: is jewelry. I have a I have uh oh. my cousin's wife is um she has fallen for multiple of these. She did Lularo, oh. she did oh. this one that sells like um bath bombs with Jewelry that are inside that you only get after the bath bomb has like dissolved in your water, and then oh. Paparazzi was the last one that she did, and it is incredibly cheap jewelry, like the the very cheapest dollar bargain jewelry that you agree is worth ten dollars, and it's not. But how much is it? They, yeah. They, They sell it in like this, when they do the online ones, they do like this kind of auction format where they're showing it to you like one piece at a time and getting somebody to agree. And really all you want to do is buy the first one that you possibly can so that you can get (laughs) off of the terrible phone call. (laughs) It's so awful. And it is is worth the $10 to get away from it. You just sure. you want to give and you know, that's the thing. I would much rather go to a real party and pay ten dollars to come. Yeah. You know, let me just give you exactly. ten dollars and we'll have and we'll hang out and have fun. And you'll get the money. I promise. I'll give you ten dollars to hang out with you. Just like don't make me feel, feel yeah. to do this. Yeah. It's
1: fascinating. It's just fascinating how people figure out how to Use and manipulate human psychology and, and yeah. friendship, friendship, to separate well-meaning people from their money. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's just incredible. Well, I, I'm so, I'm so happy that you wrote this because you might have opened up a few eyes. You might have saved a few people and their money. I hope. So. I hope. I hope so too. I really do. And don't anybody invite me to any of these stupid parties. <laughs> Jeez. My God, the products sound like this paparazzi thing sounds ridiculous. I mean, ugh, oh, oh, unbelievable. All right. All right. Hey, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you. And, and thank you so much. And it's nice to uh, to see your work doing good
0: it stuff. It was great talking to you. I have been, you know, following you forever.
1: So. yes, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I was talking before how how old I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure you could. <laughs> well, let's keep, let's keep keeping on. There's no, right. other, I, no other, I know other direction but forward. So Lori, thank you so, so much. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, gosh, guys, please. It just, you know, you think of it, just one individual being pulled into this crap, this bull. <laughs> P.T. Barnum, man, he turns out to be a genius. Uh Incredible uh john mcWhorter who i've mentioned by the way uh, uh captain kirk is uh is up uh he's in the rocket and it hasn't exploded or anything so he's looks like so far so good uh john mcWhorter is a uh, a linguist and he's extremely... Extremely bright. I don't always even follow some of what he's saying, I admit. Uh, but he's also courageous in that he doesn't go with the flow. So um he's just willing to see things clearly, to say what he thinks and feels, and lets the chips fall where they May. And in this day and age when uh people capitulate to the mob uh so readily it's it's heartening. But he's done a lot of writing on this. And it's about the uh fact that words language uh is now under attack that certain words are not to be uttered, that some words uh, and phrases might give offense to somebody. And so a lot of people you know, don't even know what they're afraid to even talk. I've had more than uh, one experience in which people will say, well, they preface their remarks by saying, well, I know I'm not supposed to say this, or um, I might get in trouble for saying this, or uh, please don't be offended, but... I. And then out comes a thought. A thought. Did he just land? He barely went up. I don't know. Never mind. I can't do two things at once. But he's he's really had it. And he says, you know... This is just this eternally morphing assemblage of locutions that pedants or our kids, God knows our kids, that human resources or the Twitter herd say we shouldn't be using anymore. Terms that are hardly egregious, but, you know, maybe just aren't the best look and he says the list of these supposedly problematic expressions is getting so long almost as if we were actively searching for terms to ban as a kind of sport well you know what i think that is true i think there are people just eternal eternally vigilant uh, out to pounce on a, on someone for saying the wrong thing. And I remember, I, I remember something. Oh, no, he's about to land, the parachutes are up. Okay, so I'm remembering, God, this has to be 10 years ago, maybe. And I couldn't get over the unbelievable stupidity of it. And I don't recall exactly who said it, but someone, I think in a governmental position, used the word niggardly, N-I-G-G-A-R-D-L-Y, meaning uh, to be, uh, you know, stingy, niggardly. And I don't recall exactly what happened, except I think this person lost their job. Now, here's the thing. It is not in any way derived from the N word. It has a totally different provenance. to use the word correctly. But there's a word now. I don't think I've said it well. I said it just now. I don't think I've said it since because I saw that, you know, the stupidity of it is how many people probably never heard the word. and, And I try rolling with the punches here. But he talks about one that gets me, too. He says, you know, you see where this gets crazy. The word retarded became absolutely verboten. And so it, we were told, intellectually disabled. And he says, see, that's the kind of euphemistic treadmill uh, that we get on. Because intellectually disabled gives way to something else. Because disabled becomes something you can't say. Handicapped, you can't say. Crippled, you can't say. So it becomes what? Differently abled. And each new term gets you into another bit of trouble. Because at one point, at least some developmentally disabled people were described as having special needs. But, turns out special is becoming a slur as well. I just don't know. And he says, make no mistake, many expressions we're told to stop using are ones most of us will agree we should ditch. Asian American and Asian were welcome replacements for the tacky, exoticizing Oriental. But he says, I worry when the quest to rid the language of genuinely dismissive terms, mission creeps. And becomes an excursion that neglects the passage of time and words tendency to harbor multiple meanings in any language. There are people who say, you know, the term black as an adjective, you can't put it in front of anything without potentially causing offense. Well, guys, you see, we're heading into crazyville. I mean, it'll make me crazy. But it's good to have McWhorter on my side because uh, he knows what he's talking about. And he's black. Which helps, I guess. Jesus. All right, I'm done. I'm sorry I got way waylaid about uh, Shatner. He's back. I don't know if he's alive or not, but the, they're landed. They'll go collect him. And he now becomes the oldest human ever. To have been technically, technically in space. Okay? I'll talk at yin's tomorrow. Be good or kinda.
0: Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com.